Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, close all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. That's it. That's the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. The 3-2 Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a short week ahead of them as they prepare for Thursday night football. They'll be on the road making a trip up to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Now, we've got a lot to talk about today on a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. And not only today are we going to preview the Buccaneers' short week matchup against the Buffalo Bills, but we're also going to dive a little bit deeper into what makes the Bucks, what a lot of people would consider one of the strangest teams in the NFL up until this point. So a 3-3 three and three record, two losses in a row, back-to-back losses are not what you would like to be talking about at this point in the season, especially with a couple of tough opponents still ahead. But the Bucks have shown a lot of good. They have shown a lot of bad. So really... Evan, where do you want to start? Because we have got a list of a whole lot of statistics here on both sides of the football that they're going to break down uh, pretty much everything we have been talking about at nauseum here for the last few weeks. We'll also go over some of the latest injury news for the Bucks and who you can expect to be ready for Thursday night's game. But where do you want to begin? I mean, you you, know, you you can start with the offense, and obviously, you know, when you're talking about the the quarterback, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield now. I think for the first time all season, there's like a legit chance that it's not going to be this game, and it probably won't even be next game. But there's like a legit chance that if Baker Mayfield doesn't turn it around, that like the talks for Kyle Trask to be the starter won't just be oh Gators fans, you know, wanting to see Kyle Trask. It'll be things that are actually talked about inside that building because you know if you drop this game and the offense doesn't look good that's three in a row you're under 500 for the first time all season uh would not be a good thing at all and you, you then and it would also be losing a uh, four out of the last five also um after starting two and oh falling a three and four would not be good at all so um I, I do think there is for the first time all season there's legit pressure on baker mayfield to play well and even if the buccaneers don't win i i think you know they sort of even if they don't win baker mayfield still you still have to come away from this game saying you know what they didn't get the w but Baker Mayfield at least looked decent. Where if if you're looking at it, you're like, man, they only put up ten points, and Baker threw another pick, and he had like you know only like 175 yards passing, and the offense just looks stale. Like that's what you don't want. That that's the the last thing you want is for Baker to struggle, and then to them also to lose. So uh, I do think there is a lot of pressure for the first time all season on, on Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah, consistency 
it is something that we've talked about before, exposing some of these guys who have less experience. And obviously, when you go from Tom Brady at quarterback to a guy like Baker Mayfield, <laughs> who hasn't yeah. had time to settle into a system in a full season, you know, there's going to be some bumps along the way. But I think for the Bucks, what we are waiting to see over the next few games is how he chooses to respond. You know, Brock Purdy in a very similar situation with the 49ers. He, he was playing well. A lot of people had a lot of great things to say about him when he is, you know, what, 15-1 and one over his first 16 regular season starts for the 49ers. You know, one of the best, some people would say, system quarterbacks. And then once the pressure is on, he's kind of hitting some valleys lately. He, he's obviously not being talked about in a very positive light after... Uh, not delivering the way people were hoping he would on Monday night football against Minnesota. So, you know, is he going to bounce back? Is Baker Mayfield going to bounce back and show the makings of that number one overall pick who has all the potential in the world that we have talked about because he's played well this season. And, you know, the endless meme of, of the Baker Mayfield cycle, uh, this is the part of the cycle where he doesn't play that well. And then, you know, the rest of it is, well, <laughs> things fall apart and then he's ultimately on a new team. We hope to change the cycle, and I think obviously Baker and the rest of this Bucks locker room. Hope yeah, to change I, the I don't think Baker's looking to say, you know what, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah now's now the point where I got to turn things around in a in a negative way. So I'm going to be complete garbage for the rest of the season, and it, it's just how I roll. Yeah, I, I don't think Baker Mayfield's sitting there uh, doing. That. I think I think he wants to break the curse more than anybody. You know, it, it's it's you know more 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 than me, more than you, more than the Bucks themselves. I think he wants to break the curse more than anybody. So uh, he wants to break that cycle. So, yeah, I, I definitely don't think he wants to uh, go down that path. So diving into Baker Mayfield and how he fits into this Buccaneers offense so far in 2023, some interesting Buccaneers metrics courtesy of Joe Marino. Tampa Bay is the fourth highest in play action frequency percentage, but Baker Mayfield is dead last in the NFL in passer rating with a play action rating of 70.1%. Mayfield is number two in the NFL in pressure percentage that result in sacks. Mahomes is first at 7.2, Mayfield second at 10.7, and Josh Allen third at 10.9. Mayfield's passer rating under pressure is third best in the league at 97.8. His passer rating when kept clean is 29th out of 32 at 85.8. So as we continue to try and solve the week-to-week -week mystery that is the Bucks offense so far this season. Baker said himself this week, seems like we're starting to find out we're not going to be a run first team this year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's the first one, I think, on that uh, entire roster who has acknowledged the way things are going. You know, Tristan Wirfs had some positive things to say about it this week, but, you know, he put a lot of credit onto the offensive line. He says that those guys have to get on the same page, which can be true. Uh, we talked about the play calling with Dave Canales and how that's got to be a little bit better, maybe a little bit more creative as far as the run game goes, which can be true. And then here we are talking about Baker Mayfield, the statistics you just heard, but a lot of the empty space on this offense has simply been because Baker isn't hitting the throws. Um, there has been more than a few plays that you can think of, and, and Mike Evans drops aside, you know, miscommunication aside, Baker's just been off target. And, and these are plays that work. These are plays that prove when you look back at the film and these guys who are getting open, they prove that the passing schemes that Dave Canales is bringing to the table are more productive than they were last year at getting guys like Mike Evans open, at getting Chris Godwin good looks down the field. Trey Palmer has been open deep down the field a few times and Baker just hasn't hit him. 
So as far as Baker goes, you know, we've covered the best and the worst of what he has done so far in 2023. But with everyone looking for him to bounce back this week on a short week against a banged up Bills defense, but it's still a tough unit nonetheless. What do you think this week has in store for Baker? And and what do you think so far of, of what we have seen? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you won't be honest. Like it's, it's what we've seen has been what Baker Mayfield has been for his whole career. Pretty much. I mean, it's been a little bit inconsistent now, you know, I, the first two games, he wasn't perfect and he hasn't been perfect in any of these games, but he wasn't perfect, but he got the job done. He no turnovers was a big thing in the first two games, right? Protecting the football, being smart with it. Uh, then his next two, you know, he faces a little bit of a tough test in Philly struggles there, but then and bounces back with like, like I said, I still think his best performance as a buck in new Orleans. In a tough situation there, being going into New Orleans on a short week, uh, not easy. And a team that, you know, in the Saints that didn't really matter to seem or seem to matter what quarterback is on the roster. The Saints seem to have the Bucks number. Baker Mayfield played really well. Uh, and then um the bye week happens, and these last two games just hasn't been able to come up with the consistent play that we saw in the first four games. And right now that's, that's the book on Baker Mayfield. Like that's been his story, the, his entire career. It's why he's not in Cleveland anymore. It's why he's not with Carolina. That's why he didn't even, you know, I, I know a lot of people said, well, he asked for his release. Okay. But he didn't even last the full season with Carolina. It's still a fact. That's why the Rams got to look at him. And then they didn't bring him back. Uh, you know, he won that first game, you know, against the Raiders with the Rams, you know, miraculously flying in on Tuesday or whatever, play on Thursday, win the game. Okay. You would think that would give him a jolt. He played like four more games. They decided not to bring him back. He just, he hasn't been consistent enough. And that's what you've seen with him in a Bucks uniform too. Like you're starting to see that now. If he would have came out in these past two games and played well, you could say, all right, well, things are changing here. But right now, the evidence we have is this is kind of the same old Baker Mayfield. Now, with that being the same old Baker Mayfield, you're hoping the only difference is that he can turn it around because the thing with Baker Mayfield is when things start to go bad, when he's good, he's good. And then, but when things start to go bad, it doesn't turn from bad to good again. It stays sort of in that same spot. So hopefully the Bucks can figure out a way to get Baker Mayfield more successful, uh, put him in, in better positions. And look, it's not the the struggling offense isn't all on him. It's it's definitely not. I mean, we talk about that. It is so difficult for a quarterback, uh, especially one that's not like a top 15 quarterback or not like considered one of the best of the position. It's so difficult to ask him to basically put the team on his back when there's zero run game. Um, you know, when he has to throw the ball 30 plus times each game and, and basically, you know, be perfect. Um, it, that's a tough ask. Uh, but at the same time, if Baker Mayfield wants to stick around, uh, it might be something he has to do. Like it might, it might, might be something he has to figure out and just find a way to, to play better. Like he's got to play with more consistency. And now you're hoping that, all right, you had a rough game against Detroit. You were a little bit better against Atlanta. I mean, hard to be worse than you were against Detroit, honestly, but um, had a little bit better game against Atlanta, but then, you know, he had the crippling mistake down there in the fourth quarter can't happen. So you're hoping that he just avoids that this week. So it was, like I said, there's, there's legit pressure on now. I've said it before and I will say it again. Baker is an easy guy to root for. 
I am rooting for him. I would like to see him succeed. I think the best thing for the Bucks, obviously, for the rest of this season is to have him play well enough to get another contract in Tampa Bay just because you don't find yourself not necessarily starting from scratch looking at another quarterback next year, but if Baker doesn't play well, I have to imagine the Bucks are going to address the quarterback position. They're not just going to be ready to roll with Trask in 2024 if that's the case. And even then, you go into even more of a murky area with what kind of quarterback prospect you're going to end up with because I think the Bucs are going to win enough games this year to get a first-round draft pick to where if it's a quarterback, I mean, it's not going to yeah, be you're, you're, gonna, you're not getting, you know, you're not getting a Caleb Williams, a Drake May. You're not Probably at this, at this rate, you're not even getting like a Michael Penix at, at this rate. So you, what are your options there at, you know, 17th overall? Right. Now, Baker has shown me this season that he has the tools to make the plays this offense needs him to make when they run the type of offense they want to run. You know, in the games that they have won, or at least the games where the offense has functioned the best, the run game has been, I don't want to say a crucial part of it because it's not like it has carried this offense at any point this season, but it's been effective when it needs to be, right? And Baker doesn't have to make all the throws. He just has to make some throws. He just has to make the important throws. And he has proven to me that he can make those important throws and he can make them under pressure. You know, those last few possessions against New Orleans, like those were critical drives. The last few possessions uh, against Minnesota, critical drives to hang on to the football and take control of that game. And they didn't do it through the run game. Speaking of the run game, <laughs> we, we have plenty of stats uh, about the run game, but the Bucks, I believe, are ranked last you know what let me not even misquote this here let me pull up the the exact statistic for you because if i butcher it and i say it wrong it's not going to be as effective you know what i'm saying that's just that's just, yeah, it's no, just not, yeah it's not a very good look i would say this is courtesy of greg allman it's about the effectiveness of the bucks run game the tampa bay buccaneers running backs have six carries on third and one this year two first downs on six carries from third and one, both of those coming from Rashad White. Overall, third and uh. one conversion rate on run plays is 43%, tied for fifth worst in the NFL this season. So again, Baker Mayfield is not the root of this offense's problems. And we were saying the same thing about Brady last year. Uh. But with what we've seen out of, obviously, this passing scheme with Canales, the million-dollar question is, you know, it's week eight of the NFL season. Thursday night football, short week for the Bucs. They kick it off before all the other teams do. But is it is it too late to think that Baker could turn it around before the end of the season and start to hit those deep shots that he's just been missing? Because there's been more than a few sh- throws every week where he's off yeah. target. And by this point in the season, with a player who is as tenured as Baker is, I know he hasn't had the consistency, and that's what we're waiting to see is if he can, if he does have the ability to turn it around and start hitting those throws and doing all the things that we want him to do to finish out the season. But do you think it's like too little too late at this point? Or realistically, do you think he has what it takes to turn it around? Because I, I I, do. I do. I, I do. I'll leave it at that. I, do. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a lost cause. Um, I mean, now, you know, he still plays like this. He, you know, he plays bad against Buffalo, plays bad against Houston. You know, honestly, if that happens, I'm not even sure he plays against Tennessee. 
Um, but like if he does, like and then he plays bad against Tennessee, sure, like then you can say, all right, like this guy's done. Uh, but I think right now, like there's look, there's still plenty of football left, like plenty of football to be played. And the thing about it, and, and trust me, like everybody knows from the score predictions and stuff like that, and the season predictions, like I'm not a guy who's gonna pick the Bucks to win every game and this and that. But at the same time, like people this week, and, and don't get me wrong, it was a brutal, unacceptable, terrible loss that they had. Terrible, right? To the Atlanta Falcons. Detroit, I get it. Detroit's just better. Philly, Philly's just better. Like, I think they're two of the top teams. Even though Detroit got, you know, shellacked by Baltimore, I think that they're two of the top teams in the NFC. Like, I'm not going to get angry at you for losing that game. Losing to Atlanta, like, you should have won that game, right? But at the same time, like people this week after they lost are talking about them like they're one and five yeah. and not three yeah. and three. Yeah. Like they're talking about them like like this team's projected to have the fourth overall pick in the draft right now. Like technically, if the season started today, the Bucks are the seventh seed. Like the Bucks are actually still in the playoffs. Um, I mean, do I think they would make it in as a seventh seed? Probably not. I think they're only path to the playoffs realistically is probably to win a division, which is still a, a division that's up for grabs, completely up for grabs. Um, but like, I don't know, man, like it just, there's so much football left to be played that like, yeah, like it, you the correct thing is to say Baker Mayfield's not done. Like if, if you have your doubts, that's fine, right? You can have your doubts, but to definitively say that it, it, oh, it's over and this and that, like, I just don't get it. Like, there's a, there's too much football left to be played for me to go come out and say that. Like I said, these next two weeks in, in particular are pretty critical. Um, honestly, if if they if the Bucks drop both those games, and let's say you know, let's say the Saints win a couple games, and let's say the Falcons win a couple more games, now all of a sudden you're multiple games out of the division, right? Let's say you're two games back out of the division. Let's say you're not even in the wild card. And Baker Mayfield still struggling. All right, then I could see maybe them making that change. But there's just there's too much football left to be played, and I think there's a lot of when you look at the schedule, there's only a handful of games where you're like, yeah, probably not going to win that one. Like, will they win all those games? No, but like there's some games you're looking at, you're like, you know, like they could win that game. Like it's not impossible. Like there there's a few. Will they win all of them? Probably not. You thought the Falcons was going to be a win, right? So like they're clearly they're not going to win all of them, but like there's more than a few that you're like, yeah, they can win that game. So like it, it the season the season and Baker Mayfield season is just it's far from over. Like and I know I think fans sort of had in their head, right? Some fans, the fans that are like, oh, this is done, right? I think they kind of had in their head maybe like, oh, you know, this team's going to suck anyway. Like, I think they had that in their head in August, right? And like Baker Mayfield's not going to be good. And I think now that they had a pretty crushing loss, I do think now is like the window opening for them to be like, see, like told you so. So I think that's what it is. Yeah, the doubters are always going to be the first to chime in after any bad game. And and unfortunately, it's been a stretch of bad games, specifically for Baker when we talk about the level of quarterback play. Uh, a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball need to get better, the QB play being one of them. But I still think he's capable. I think he has time, just like you said. And as far as the Bucks and the rest of this season, everything is still right out there in front of them. It is. I mean, for the most part, they are healthy. Before we wrap up and get into score predictions, we'll we'll break down the injury report for this short week. But overall, you go into this 
fairly healthy, one of the healthier teams in the NFL, especially when you compare it to the injury report of a team like the Buffalo Bills, who have just taken blow after blow this season. So the Bucs are healthy. They're not too far behind in the division to be unable to catch back up with the winnable games they still have left on this schedule, right? We, we talked about how this division is not going to blow anyone away. Whoever makes the playoffs winning the NFC South at most is going to have 10 games, you know, maybe 11. And that's with a really impressive second half stretch, which I don't I, know. I, if, I think the winner of the NFC South is going to have less than that. I, I, I think. Yeah. I, I think I think 11. I, I, I think nine and eight or eight and nine might be able to do it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Eight, eight and nine did it last year. Like, you're right. Now, why can't do it again this year? On the offensive side of the ball, one more position group we'll talk about before we talk about the defense here. Chase Edmonds, the running back, his practice period has been activated. He is back with the team, back on the 53-man roster. I don't know if he's going to play Thursday night. I have my doubts. But the Buccaneers have less than a week to address this running back room via trade if that is something they feel like they need to do. Any other position group on this team as well, you think they could be active and possibly buying for at the trade deadline? Um, I, I would say safety, but I think the easy thing there, if you want to get Ryan Neal in the lineup, would just be to put D Delaney there. So I'm not going to say that. Tight end, I could maybe see it, but at the same time, like I think they want to see a full season of Kate Otten, um, like without Cameron Bray, without Kyle Rudolph, like without those guys taking A snaps. Um, away from them uh, really i mean the only obvious one is running back like the i mean pass rusher sure but like i don't know i, I feel like the all the pass rushers that are like reportedly available and look like there's some guys that you hear about and you're like oh he's available and he's actually not and then there's some guys that you don't hear about that actually are available you know uh in 2018 you didn't know jason bear paul is available you know, until the Buccaneers traded for him. Like, there's tons of players like that. But um, a, a lot of the names you hear, as far as edge rusher goes, are, are kind of bigger names, like Daniil Hunter and Chase Young. I, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be in that sort of market. I, I mean, anything that's going to take a day-two pick, I I don't see it. Um, so I wouldn't really expect that. I, I think running back's the only one. I'm still on record of saying I'd be pretty surprised if they did anything. I just don't think they're in a position to um you know move any type of draft asset or anything like that. And they also have very limited cap space, so you have to consider that as well. Like the money is tight and the money's gonna continue to be tight all year. So um the one thing, like, and I understand people bring up Rashad Penny. I, I'm I'm against the idea of Rashad Penny solely because they already I look passed at it, on him once before. They had a chance to get him for for just money. It was a, he signed a one year deal for like the vet min, or close to the vet minimum. You could have had him five months ago. Like why why didn't why are you going to potentially give up a draft pick now to get him when you're already mid season when you could have already had him? So that's Rashad Penny. Now I know a lot of people are going to bring up but the biggest one is probably. And the biggest one I think is realistic because, yeah, like they're not trained for Derrick Henry, folks. Like I, I can tell you that right now. It's not going to happen. Um, I'm sure the Buccaneers would love that Derrick Henry. If if the Titans want to eat half his salary and only take a seventh-round pick, all right, come on down. But don't think that's going to happen. Um, the only realistic one that I think fans are looking at, and they're like, oh, it's a big name, is Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, fr- from the Jets, things just haven't really – worked out there. It was always kind of a weird spot, like because they had Michael Carter, they had Brees Hall. 
Um, and then Dalvin Cook sort of fitting in there hasn't really worked, especially with, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers going down sort of lowers the expectations a little bit of that team. So there's maybe a thought that um, Dalvin Cook could get moved. And I do think he could get moved. The only way I would see it making sense for the Buccaneers and apparently something uh, about uh, how like his contract is structured, like they only need to pay a little bit. So it's not huge on the, the cap stuff, but I could see like a late round pick swap. Like, you know, the Bucks give up their 2025 seventh, in exchange or, or their 2025 sixth in exchange for a 2025 seventh and Dalvin cook or something like that. Like, but I, I don't know if the jets even want to do that. Like the jets might as well just maybe want to hold on to him if that's the best offer they're getting. So I, I for that reason, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be doing anything at the deadline. I know that frustrates some people. I've talked to some people th- this week. They're like, Hey, they're going to do anything. And I'm like, no. And they're like, why? You know? So uh, I know that it's going to be frustrating for some people, but, it's just the truth. And, um, you know, they really haven't done much of the deadline in Jason Light's history. I, I think that the first year they traded Mark Barron and I think somebody else at the deadline. Um, Steve McClendon in 2020 wasn't at the deadline, but it was a little bit before the deadline. I mean, they historically, they haven't really done a ton at the trade deadline. Mark Barron. What a name that is. I actually saw a guy walking down the road the other day with a Mark Barron jersey, and I got I got really excited. There you go. Because uh, you don't see a lot of those walking around anymore. One more question, and this is just a narrative that people have attached themselves to regarding the Bucks, maybe not doing anything at the trade deadline. And we've been saying for a while, I think at least the last two or three weeks, that you know, don't be surprised if the Bucks do not do anything at the trade deadline. There's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of stories put out about all these big flashy names the Bucks could go get. But one of the narratives I have seen lately is that, oh, well, this coaching staff and this front office, this team is just not serious about winning this year unless they want to make a move for one of these big names, which is 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 hard. It's hard to say that and, and to put that on the team when realistically going into this year, as we have said all along, like you kind of should have known that this wasn't a team that's going to go out on a limb to to try and compete for anything. Like, they're just going to kind of roll with what they have, and that's what they've done all year. Right. I don't understand why it's such a shock. Just like you said, like, like the sentiment I start to get is like, oh, yeah, they don't care. Yep, they're 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 good with this. Yep, this is acceptable to them now. Like, oh, Brady's gone. Yep, this is acceptable to them. Like, what resources are you willing to give up? to go out and get a Dalvin Cook, who, again, has not been an earth shaker for New York. It's not like this yeah, is a like guy. He's, he's not the Dalvin Cook from three years ago. Right, like, right. It, you know, it's going to be the equivalent of signing Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago. Like, <laughs> it, it, that that's the energy that it gives me. You know, I it just big names for the sake of big names are not always going to be what this team needs. And, you know, there's a lot of things that this team needs, this offense in particular that we just talked about, and it starts with a lot more than just the running backs. No, for sure. And, um, you know, the thing is, eh, yeah, one running back isn't going to fix an entire offense, right? And the, we've talked about the run game, and I want to get on the defense because we've talked a while about the offense, but this will be the last thing I want to say on it. We talked about the run game, and it's we've said it countless times. It's more than just the running backs. The running backs definitely have a hand, but it's the offensive line, it's the play caller. You could have prime Walter Payton back there. It, it wouldn't matter. Would it be a little bit better? Probably, but it's not going to be this. Oh my God, this is, you know, a top five run game. No, like everything else has to be better. Everything else around the running backs has to be better. So, um, 
yeah, I don't really think it's it's an easy fix like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't expect them to do anything at the deadline. And I know that's going to disappoint some people, but just like you said, like they're they're trying to see what they have this year. Like it's okay. What? Why? And honestly, I think a lot of fans accepted that in May and June and July. Like, and I guess sort of you you say that before you actually see any games. And when you're in the moment, you're like, oh, gotta get this guy, gotta get this guy. Why were you all, all right with you were you were content, and and now all of a sudden you want to be trading a bunch of draft picks for guys who, and most of the time, the guys that are traded at the trade deadline are for either going to be free agents at the end of the year or the year after, so they're not here very long. Like you're okay. You're gonna trade for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Okay, there's going a handful more games on that contract because it's a one year deal. Like he is a rental. So, um, you know, I think fans kind of get a little impatient at times, and I get it. I do. You wanted the team to do a move um, when things aren't going hot, but at the same time, sometimes the best move you can make is no move at all. And I think that's where the Buccaneers are at right now. Yeah, three and one start. Gets a lot of people excited and they have every reason to be excited when the team plays above expectations and it makes it a lot easier to buy in to what this coaching staff is bringing to the table. I totally understand why people would go back to, hey, well, they're proven they can compete. You know, a three and one start in the NFL is not easy and people bought in. So I understand. But like you said, I do think sometimes we get a little impatient and people forget the, the, the perspective of this 2023 season and the situation the Bucks found themselves in literally just a few months ago as they were scrambling to put together the pieces of what would be the payroll for this team and uh, some more stuff we're going to have to tackle in the upcoming offseason. But talking about the defense, here are the blanket stats that we wanted to bring up. And uh, again, just a good consensus about what we have seen from this Buccaneers defense. The Bucks have the best red zone defense in the NFL. Yes, I'll say it again. They have statistically the best red zone defense in the National Football League, allowing only a touchdown on 22.2% of trips to the red zone. The Bucs have the worst third down defense in the NFL. That's right. They have the worst third down defense in the National Football League, allowing a touchdown, or I'm sorry, uh, allowing a conversion 50% of the time. The Bucs also force a turnover on 21% of drives, which is the best in the league. 13 takeaways in six games, at least two takeaways in five of six games. We've obviously covered the importance of having a defense that can take the ball away. And, you know, a bend but don't break defense is an identity that a Bucks defense has had before. And they've been good. We've seen good Tampa Bay defenses that know how to bend but not break. And that's what we have seen with this defense. They have played well enough for the offense to go out there and win some games. Warren Sapp used to say back in the day to the offense, you get us 17 and we'll win. You don't have an yeah. offense that can get you 17 points every single week, clearly. But both sides of the spectrum here on the defensive side of the ball as well. Kind of, you know, the polarizing stats on the offensive side of the ball trickle over to the other side here as we talk about uh, the best and the worst of this defense so far this season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, the, those two stats are, you know, pretty something, much something. And honestly, though, you, you can feel it watching the games, though. Like, 
I, none of those stats are like unbelievable to me, you know, where you're like, wow, like there's some stats when you read them, you're like, that can't be real. Like, no, those stats feel real. Like when you watch the games, you're like, yeah, like this is, you know, the Bucks do a pretty good job at holding teams to three. Like when, when they, when the Bucks had that turnover against the Lions, the interception, like the Lions got three points. Like that was a big stand. That ball zero, was at the eight yard line. Zero yards. They yeah, got no like, yards in the red zone. Yeah, I think that was that was a big stand. Like, and the Bucks defense is what's. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Bucks defense was putrid, like this team isn't three and three right now. Like, like they're just not because you know you don't get the three turnovers in Minnesota. Like, you don't do that, so you lose that game. And then who knows? You know, if the defense even shuts down the Saints or anything. Like, who who knows? Right? Um, I mean, even the defense sealed the game late against the Bears. I mean, that was the Bucks were up 20 to 17 at the time. People kind of forget that the Bears could have taken the lead with a touchdown there, and the Bucks defense got a pick six. Like, you know, that's the defense has really bailed them out at the same time, though. And it's been magnified these past few weeks. Third down defense has been their issue. Like the and I as when I say that if the defense was horrible, the Bucs aren't three and three. Well, if the defense was better on third down, the Bucs are better than three and three right now. The Bucs are probably four and two. Um, I, I don't know the formula for it. I don't know how to fix it. That's not my job. You know, that's Todd Bowles' job. And unfortunately on a short week, not the greatest time to be able to fix it. Hopefully with this sort of, sort of, you know, mini bye week, they'll be able to figure it out after, you know, after the bill. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it doesn't affect them too much in the bills game, right? Hopefully it's not an issue, but, um, you know, if it is, hopefully you can regroup after the, the mini buy and, and figure it out. But, um, I mean, I do think the, and we've talked about it before, like the lack of pass rush, I think specifically on third down, um, has definitely hurt them more, more than helped. I mean, you know, it seems like the stats, I believe the Bucks have 16, 16 sacks at 17th in the NFL right now, right in the middle of the pack. I mean, literally right dead smack and almost dead smack in the middle of the pack. And the the actual box score is okay, but when you watch it, right, the eye test just doesn't show it. And when teams are converting these third and 11s, third and 12s, it's because the quarterbacks have all day to throw. And the Bucks are probably most of the time on third long. They're playing zone, which we know isn't their best you know, strong suit. They're playing zone. And guess what? A good quarterback is going to be able to dissect it. Like Derek Carr isn't as good of a quarterback as Jared Goff. Like, Derek Carr couldn't dissect that. He still had a ton of time, but he couldn't find the guys. Jared Goff had a ton of time and could find the guys. Like, that. the third down defense won't get truly better, I think, until this pass rush does. We've talked before about the physicality of a lot of those guys in the Buccaneers secondary. Antoine Winfield Jr., obviously, but Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean in particular. Man coverage is where they made their money. So with Todd Bowles having coached this unit since 2019 Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean both on the team that season why does he not live by more man coverage at this point like why 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 does it seem like every week we're still kind of testing the waters of what this zone coverage is going to look like and every single week it gets picked apart it, it, it gives you shades of Mike Smith's soft zone coverage that you know they used to play in 2018 that got his ass canned halfway through the season because the Bucks could not help but give up 20 yards on third and 15. You know, it, it's exactly what we've seen before. 
And I don't want to say it's a new problem for this Todd Bowles defense because it, I feel like the Bucks third down defense and oh, it's it's been it's been frustrating. It hasn't been quite this bad, but it has been a frustration of fans. I think for a little bit, yeah. and even the pass rush. I, I mean, honest, honest to God, even when this defense was at its best in 2020 and 2021. Uh, even yeah, when they, they had, a, they, they never had a ferocious pass rush in the Super Bowl. They did in the playoffs. They had a, a pretty damn good pass rush when they needed to in 2020. But during the regular season, we spent a lot of that year asking, hey, what's going on with the pass rush? Like these guys are not uh, there, getting there was, with four. There was headed into that playoffs. There was debate on whether to give Shaq Bear a long term contract or not. Yeah. There was a lot of people that said, no, absolutely not. And then he went out in the playoffs and was fantastic in the AFC championship game and the Super Bowl. And everybody was like, oh, you got to keep him now. Like there was a legit debate. That's how sort of like up and down the Bucks pass rush was that year. And you know, 2021, same thing. Like it, it hasn't been for, and, and the Bucks defense, I wouldn't say they've been an elite unit, but like the pass rush hasn't, like I don't even think like at, at no time during the Todd Bowles era, which is 2019 to now, Right. Then no time during the Todd Bowles era has this defense been a top five unit, maybe even like top seven or eight unit at rushing the passer. Like they just haven't been. And they get, okay, sometimes they get a lot of sacks because they blitz a lot. Like, and now what you're, what are you seeing? Todd Bowles is blitzing less and now they're getting less sacks. Well, and, and you want to just go back to stats, you know, something that's as plain as day in the box score week after week is the lack of production from Devin White. What does he have? One sack this season? You know, this is zero. Yeah, Devin White has zero sacks. This is a guy who was widely considered, as of a couple of years ago, one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL. And one of his biggest strengths is his usage in this defense getting after the quarterback. And he just has not been able to do that. I mean, it's an entirely different conversation in itself that this is the same linebacker who wants to be paid a hundred million dollar contract. Well, I was just about, I was just about to say his that that his sack total is the same amount of money that I'm offering him this offseason. Oh zero. And that's a conversation for a different day, and obviously that time will come. Devin White looking for him to bounce back because he definitely has not been the player that I think the Bucks had hoped he would be up until this point of the season. That is for sure with the price tag that he thinks he is worth uh worth. But Again, just going back to the philosophy of this defense, I, I'm surprised that Todd Bowles doesn't really seem to know better by now. Like, I would hope adjustments are made to where this isn't going to be an issue for the rest of the year, but complacency with this coaching staff, at least under Todd Bowles as head coach, uh, maybe Dave Canales is saying the right things week in and week out, but we have also talked about complacency uh, with the Bucks and this coaching staff. We talked about it a lot throughout the 2022 season. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's just there's a lot of things that haven't really broke the books way this year uh, on on defense for as good as the defense has been. Like and like we said, the defense is the reason right now we're not already talking about maybe the season being a lost cause. Like the defense has kept them in. The defense kept them in the Philly game for a good bit. The defense kept them in the Detroit game for a good bit. The defense, I mean, to be completely like, you know, fair, I guess. The defense forced three turnovers. Yes, all the turnovers were down the red zone, though. So the Falcons were moving the ball, but they still forced them. Uh, so the defense gave the Bucks a shot to win that game. Like, and I know the defense came up short, like at the end. Like I already talked about that. I think it was unacceptable, but you know, at the same time, don't at score the, thirteen points. And, you know, how the, about you score more than thirteen? At the end of the day, I, I don't want to go back and harp on this game because we know it was an ugly loss. But when we talk about the defense, they gave Baker Mayfield and the offense two 
chances to win that game. Not one, two, because they got the stops yeah. they needed after the red zone interception on a drive that could have put the bucks yeah. up. And then, you know, the offense couldn't do anything with the ball after that. So again, talking about what you had just said, that same scenario, when you look at the end of the game last week, it, it, it's hard to pin that on the defense. And that's kind of been the story of this bucks team so far this year. Yeah, so, you know, as good as the defense has been, though, Devin White's been a disappointment. Uh, I think Joe Trishawinka, I don't know if I would say disappointment, but I think the Bucks were hoping for a little bit more. Uh, Shaq Barrett, it's tough, you know, with his whole situation, coming off the injury, having the rough offseason. Um, but like I've said at the same time, you know, if you're good enough to play, man, like you got to go out there and play. And like Shaq Barrett hasn't quite been the same player. Now he did get a sack. Right on Sunday against the Falcons. Hopefully that gets him going a little bit. Um, but he, he hasn't been the same player. Vita Vey has been sackless in his last two games after having three and a half in the first four games, no sacks in the last two. So um really, I mean, this pass rush has to be better. And I even think, you know, and I, I was talking about this with James the other day. Like Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, like they haven't even really been that great. And like part of it, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, Bowles is playing off coverage. And like, I get it. Like, I definitely do. Just like you said, I don't know why. Like, I'm not a defensive coach. Todd Bowles knows fo- knows more football right now than I will ever know in my entire life. I'm not claiming that. But at the same time, it does, does make sense. Like, play man coverage like you don't have to play exclusively but like you should be playing it more than you are because you're just getting burned in zone coverage i mean they're just getting i mean these good quarterbacks are just killing them in zone coverage and oh guess what you you got a pretty good one coming up a a mediocre quarterback with time in the pocket is going to tear you up on zone coverage you know i I mean unfortunately with a pass rush who isn't going to get pressure with just four down linemen more times than not, unless you can generate pressure with the blitz or just these guys play better, it's what's going to happen. But let's talk about a lineup change in the injury report as we wrap up this week's episode with our game picks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got a lineup change. Offensive lineman Matt Filer at left guard with a knee injury will not be playing. So Aaron Stinney will see his first regular season action for the Bucks. I think, in over a year. I think over two years because he had that injury. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron Stinney, the guard who stepped up in that Super Bowl postseason run for the injured Alex Kappa, uh, will get some first-team reps with the Bucks this week. And for a lot of people, I don't know how good a new face is going to do in the long run because we have talked about this situation before. Talked about it last year with Sean King when the Bucks made the decision to pull Luke Gedeke from that guard spot. It could look like a good move for the first two games, but once you start playing week in and week out, if Filer does not come back into the lineup and Stinney is the guy moving forward, how good is he going to be for how long? I mean, we'll cross that bridge, obviously, when we come to it, but Aaron Stinney, in my opinion, a more than capable backup, and, and that's why he's still on the roster up until this point, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he definitely is, but you just said backup, you know, like how is he going to perform as a starter? Now, I mean, he was great in the Super Bowl run, right? But that was a little bit ago, right? Like we're, was. you're starting to get to the point where you can't use that, right? Everybody wants to discount it for Devin White, and everybody wants to say, well, Devin White was really good during the Super Bowl run, this and that, right? But then, like, you know, they use that for Stinney as well. Like, you know, it's just, it, it matters. Like, it, it does matter, but at the same time, it's three seasons ago. Like, a lot can change, and a lot has changed in three seasons. So, uh, I honestly 
just a personal preference. I would prefer Nick Leverett there. I think the reason that Nick Leverett isn't in there is probably because also, I don't know if you remember earlier in the season, there was a question. I forget what game it was. There was a question about Cody Malk and if he was going to be able to play. And they said that if he wasn't going to be able to play, it was going to be Aaron Stinney in that spot and not Nick Leverett. I think the reason for that is Nick Leverett, got some experience at center in the preseason and Aaron Stinney hasn't. So I think basically their thought process is you put Nick Leverett a guard. If Nick Leverett gets hurt, you don't have a backup center. Like Nick Leverett gets hurt. Robert Hainsey gets hurt in the same game. Oh, who you put at center, you know, like, so I think that's maybe their thought process behind starting Stinney. So hopefully, you know, Stinney, I mean, Matt Filer, I think was the weakest link on the offensive line. Um, but I, I thought that coming into the season too, like, like I thought, you know, I did think there was a chance Cody Mal could struggle uh, just like Lou Gedicke did, you know, in his career first year small school guy going up against, you know, uh, NFL offensive lineman changing a position. I thought, and I think Malk has definitely had his ups and downs. Like there's been some rough moments, but there's been some solid moments as well. I think he's going to be a solid pro. Um, But at the same time, like when you looked at his offensive line, Matt Filer was probably the weakest link, right? I mean, there's some that may say Luke Gedeke, but I was like, eh, because again, I just, when I talked about this on the post game show, like, Matt Filer, everybody's like, oh, he's a solid veteran. Okay, there's a reason he signed basically for the vet minimum and nobody else wanted him. Like, when offensive line play is at a premium in this league right now, right? Offensive line is so valuable in this league. Everybody looked at Matt Filer and said, nope. You know, and so uh, hopefully Aaron Steady's a little bit better and hopefully it provides a boost for the run game. I don't think Filer's been awful in the past game, but hopefully um, it can provide a little bit of a boost. Filer also had two penalties. I believe both were pre-snap penalties on Sunday. Uh, excuse me. So, yeah, I we'll see. Uh, I would prefer Nick Leverett. I understand why they're not going to Leverett, but uh, we'll see what Stinney has. I, I won't come out and say that this has, you know, the potential to be a straight-up upgrade. I, I won't say that yet. But I do feel like, and this isn't any sources of any kind, this is just a gut feeling that I have, but I do feel like there is a very real possibility that Aaron Stinney is just going to take this job and have it for the rest of the season if he stays healthy. I I mean, do you feel like that could be realistic if he goes in there and, you know, because for him to go in there and play better than Filer has, I I don't think is uh, is, is necessary. (laughs) Very difficult. I, I do feel like there is a chance that between Leverett and Stinney, however that shakes out, if Leverett doesn't see it, because again, you talked about the center situation. You know, between those two guys, though, if they do get some serious reps in the regular season, I feel like they're just going to take that job and then and then not give it back. Because I, I feel like the Bucks have to know that Filer is definitely not going to be your answer at left guard. Well, yeah, and, and you have to know, like, is he going to be, like, in the NFL in three, four years? Like, you know, right. and, and, like, they signed, I'm not saying they signed him with the intention of him being their long-term left guard. But, like, and, and Aaron Steady's not going to be their long-term left guard either. He's already, like, 20 or 29 years old. And, and Nick Leverett's, like, 26. Like, you probably don't have your long-term left guard on your roster right now. Like, that's something you're going to have to find in free agency or the draft. Like, you're just going to have to find that. Um, but I do think it's possible that Aaron Steady just plays well enough and the Bucks are like, hey, man, like, it's look better, and we're going to roll with this. Like, I, I don't think, yeah, Matt Filer's spot is guaranteed at all. I mean, it sucks, you know, losing your job to injury always would suck, but I do think if Aaron Stinney plays well enough, like, yeah, they'll, they'll keep giving him that shot. I, I, I don't see why not. Safety Kayvon Merriweather, 
the only other Buccaneers player out for Thursday night with an ankle injury. Wide receiver Chris Godwin with a neck injury. Baker Mayfield with a knee. And Vita Vea with a groin injury were all listed as questionable, but I have to assume all three of them are going to give it a go. Chris yeah, Godwin. I, 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 think, I think the only one with the semi-question there is Vita Vea. But, like, yeah, it's it's expected that all of them should be able to go. Yeah, short week, a lot of pressure on a guy like Vita, who not only is 350 pounds, but uh, he was on the injury report peppered throughout last week as well. So if this is a week-to-week thing, could be a pain tolerance issue, could be something that the Bucks are going to monitor. Maybe he's on a snap count. I have no idea, but I am going to assume he's going to be ready to go for Thursday night football in Buffalo for the Bills. Tight end Dawson Knox, who is one of those players who, again, he's a, he's a player. He's he's a, he's a buck killer. He's just one of those players that has it written all over him, kind of like Greg Olson was for the Panthers. Something about Dawson. I feel Knox. like that's any tight end. Yeah, that is true, especially <laughs> against the zone coverage that we've talked so much about. Uh, Dawson Knox with a wrist injury will be out for Buffalo. Linebacker Balen Specter with a hamstring will miss this game. Tight end Quentin Morris with an ankle injury will be out. Defensive now two tight ends. Yeah. Defensive tackle Ed Oliver with a toe injury is questionable. That was the biggest one. He's a good he's I love Ed Oliver. Yeah. I've always loved Ed Oliver. I wanted them to draft fan. Ed Oliver at five over Devoy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we I remember we were doing those draft shows leading up to twenty nineteen and we were talking a lot about Ed Oliver and some of the other guys in that draft class. It's crazy, man. It feels like just a year ago we were talking yeah, about that's, that. That's it that is insane. That's five years ago, isn't it? That yeah, is. So the Bills obviously going to be spread a little bit thin, especially at the tight end position. And I will say, before we get to our score predictions, I I know you're not going to be the one to say it, so I will. The Bills look beatable. Oh, no. The yeah. Bills, yes. as of right now, in the season. They just lost to the freaking Patriots. Are you yeah. kidding me? Losers of their <laughs> last two out of three, and they barely squeaked one by against the New York Giants. Shouldn't have. Yeah, seemingly are not a great team this year either. Well, no, but but also but the the refs screwed the Giants in that. So sure, yeah, that was that that, that was that holding Darren Waller in the end yeah. zone thing, like yeah. clear hold, you know, no call. That was ridiculous. They just wanted to get out of there. It was a pretty awful game that night, I will admit. Um, so with that being said, you know, both teams coming into this desperate for a win. The Bucks on the road, which honestly, the Bucks are proven to be a better road team than they are at home. I mean, what do they have? One win over Chicago and all the games they played again in Raymond. One and one and uh, yes, one and three at home, two and zero oh on the road. You hope that streak continues. I think Buffalo is a a beatable looking team. I think they're in a vulnerable position, but they're going to be playing desperate football. They know it's a short week. Uh, they are playing injured, which again bodes well for Tampa Bay. But the Bucks, as they look to get healthy, they're looking to avoid losing three in a row. That's just what it comes down to. These are two desperate teams. They're going to be playing their asses off. It's going to be Thursday night football. It's going to be cold up in Buffalo. It's not quite the end of November or December yet, but it's still going to be a little chilly. The coldest game the Bucks have played so far this season. So, I don't think the Bucks are going to be able to get it done. And I say that just because uh, even though they are 3-3 three and three, and they have shown us flashes of what they can be when things go well, I just it, there's not going to be any run game, you know. If Ed Oliver plays, you can you can nip that right in the bud. Uh, I think another week in a row where I'm unsure of what run game we're going to see. I do think Baker is going to play better, but is he going to make all the throws that he needs to? Because with this run game being what it is, 
he's got to make a few extra throws every week. He just has yeah. to. And and he's shown that every single week he cannot make those extra throws. So I don't know if on a short week uh, he, he's going to be able to do it. So, ugly game, Thursday night football. Not quite as ugly as the Atlanta game was because that was just pitiful. I think the penalties are cleaned up. I think it's more of a disciplined contest. Uh, but I have the Buccaneers dropping this one. 21-17. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, the Bills are beatable. Um, I mean, yeah, loses the last two or three. Uh, lost, you know, week one against the Jets. Just, I mean, gave that game away. Josh Allen is prone to the turnover. Like, he can turn the ball over. I I think he's, like, one of the last true gunslingers this league has. Like, like honestly, like, Baker Mayfield, okay. But I'm talking, like, just gunslinger. Like, yeah. a dude that just, like, the play's never over, like, because he says it ain't over, right? You, like it, 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 It's crazy, too, because he's regarded as a top five QB in the NFL, which I won't argue with. But from week to week, you almost literally never know what you're going to get. And he's one of the yeah. better QBs that you have watched with that, with that trait, uh, you know, these recent seasons, like Jameis yeah. was the last guy I can think of where when he's good, he's good, man, but you never know what you're going to get. And even then he was never touted as a, as a top five QB. No, because, because his good isn't like Josh Allen. Good. Like Josh Allen makes throws and makes plays that like Winston just never did. Um, so, I I and the thing about the Bills, the Bills run defense is actually pretty bad. Um, it's the worst that the Bucks will have faced so far this year. I think it might be 31st in the league. Um, their run nice. defense, it's not good. Um now, I've already said not talking about the run game anymore because they suck. Um, so yeah, I do not expect the Buccaneers to be able to run the ball. It just, it doesn't matter right now. Will they find a little bit more success? Maybe just because that's how bad Buffalo is at it, but, uh, not expecting them to go for over a hundred yards rushing. Um, unless Baker Mayfield gets like 80 of it. Uh, so I just, and and look, even like the bills defense, like their pass defense, like Trey white, obviously out for the year, big loss, Matt Milano, probably out for the year, big loss. Their defense has had a lot of hits. I think that's two of their better defensive players right there. Um, and I just think, yeah, the Bills just have too much. Uh, on a short week, on the road, after a tough loss, I just think, yeah, the Bills just have a bit too much for the Bucks. Somehow, I don't know, somehow the Bucks are going to score three touchdowns. Uh, might be a garbage time touchdown, but the Bills are going to win 31 to 21. Um, so the spread, much, I believe is eight and a half. The, the, the spread is eight and a half. Um, I think it might be something where it's like 31, 14 bucks score a touchdown with like a minute left, uh, make it 31, 21, make it look a little bit more respectable. But, uh, yeah. So like I said, somehow they're going to get over 20 points, but, uh, they won't come out with the W. So you're taking the bills and the points. Bills and the points. Bills and the points and the over, actually. Uh, check out betting the Bucks on Mr. Bucks Nation. Oh, there you go. It, it sucks. You know, I never like it. When oh, and also, I, I did take Rashad White over rushing yards, too. So, we'll see. What's his, I've taken what's that like number? 10 times this year, and it hasn't hit. So What's we'll his see. number this week? Like 20 yards? Well, I wish. It was, no, it's 46 and a half. It's pretty much what it's been every week. Um, And I'm like, oh, he's got to do it this week. And I'm like, oh, no, he didn't. So, 
you know, and I wasn't going to, this was going to be the week I was going to bet the under. And I was, and then I remembered, I was like, man, the Bills run defense is like legit the worst that they've faced so far. I'm like, I'm going to bet this under and then he's going to have like 90 yards. So I was like, all right, let me just kick the over. And they're busted up too. I'll tell you, if they, if they give Rashad White 15 carries, let's just, let's just do a little prop here at the end of the show. If they give Rashad White 15 carries, I think he goes well over 46 yards. I don't know about well over, but I think he goes over 46 yards this week. If they give him 15 carries, because last week they simply gave up on the run. I mean, last week was kind of the first week that aside from the blowout against Detroit, where they simply just gave up on running the football. So I I don't think that'll change this week. I, I do think with what you said about the run defense, they may have a better chance, but everything about this run game has to be better. And that's, that's a, that's a pretty tall order for them to fill, but Ladies, so, all right. Let, let me let me ask you this really quick before we head out. You're good. And this is going to be a, probably a tough question to, to answer. After this game, when we're doing that post game show, right? A little over 24 hours from when we're doing this right now. Are you going to come into it saying, you know, Baker Mayfield? All right, you know, dodge. You know, you dodge that challenge, right? Like it, you got over the hump. Or are you going to be saying? Uh-oh. Like there there might be in trouble. Where where do you think you're gonna be at? Because you only got him scoring 17 points. And basically, like I said, I think it's gonna be a garbage time touchdown. So I only got him basically scoring 14 points. Like, where do you think? What are your expectations? Are you gonna be feeling better? All right, here's this. This better, worse, or the same about Baker than you do right now. It is interesting because you bring up the 17 points and I I just talked about how the Bucs probably aren't going to have that much success running the ball. But again, we talked about how the Bills look beatable and the games that the Bucs have won, they've had success running the football. So if they get 17 points and Rashad White has 50 yards, I'm going to assume that Baker threw the ball 35, 40 times. 35 seems to be the magic number when everything goes according to plan. You know, the best games that he's played, he threw the ball like 34 times. I want to say I'm going to be feeling about the same, though, because if it's a 17 to 21 or 17 to 24 loss, I think I said 21, 17. If it's a 17 point loss in a 17 point loss. Well, oh, no, no, no. Hold on. If it's a loss, (laughs) if it's a loss and they put up 17 points and let's say Buffalo only puts up 21, I assume it's a competitive game. I assume there's a decent amount of defense. Maybe there was a lot of chewing the clock by one team or the other. But just off of speculation alone, I would think with that box score, I would probably feel about the same. I, I think the difference would be on the offense yet again, because if you hold Buffalo to 21 points, you know, I know that they're not the scoring offense that they have been, yeah, but they are still a great quarterback and in a capable offense with some weapons. Still, Stephon Diggs is still one of the best in the NFL. Gabe Davis, very effective in the red zone, you know, so they have threats. I, I would think that the only thing missing would be the same thing that's been missing from this offense, or at least the biggest difference maker that I can see uh, that's the closest within reach, if you know what I'm trying to say, and that would be the missed throws by Baker. You know, the okay. third and 13 incompletion overthrowing Chris Godwin when it could have been a first down in the red zone, you know, yeah. when you have to punt the ball away instead of get three points there. Uh, I, I would think that if my prediction comes true, 17-21 loss, then I, I think I'm feeling about the same. 
but I think I think if you come away from this game feeling about the same, a loss is disappointing. But I almost feel like it buys Baker another week. If you come out of oh, this no, game, oh no, it definitely would. Yeah. yeah, if you if you come out of this game and you think, oh, this guy sucks, like he's ass, he played worse than he did last week, then he's obviously in trouble. Yeah, he's in trouble. But at the same time, like I think he's getting the week nine anyway. Like, yeah. unless this is just a disaster. I, I mean, that is because at the same time, dude, they lose the game. You're three and four. Like, okay. You know, like what would suck is like if Atlanta, if you lose and Atlanta wins, that would suck. I mean, Atlanta would be five and three. You'd be three and four. You're two games back. And Atlanta has the tiebreaker over you. That would suck. Like, and especially if Mayfield struggles, that's where you're like, okay, like this season may be going down the drain. Um, but like, yeah, I think he's going to get week nine regardless. So like, I don't expect the Bucks to win. Um, and I, I'm, I sort of agree. I think you're going to feel largely the same about Baker Mayfield as you do right now. Like kind of like, not like, oh, it's doomsday, but also not like, oh, this is great. You know, like, I don't think you're going to be feeling great, but like, I don't think you're also going to be feeling like he's awful. They have to get like, they got to put in trash because they got to do something. Like, I don't think you're going to be feeling that way either. Yeah, I don't think so. But looking forward to an entertaining game, regardless, a short week for the Bucks, but both teams in this game in desperate need of a win. We will talk to you guys on the post-game edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. I think I think tomorrow night after the game, I think we'll tough it out, right? I think we'll do a late stream, maybe take a couple phone calls. Wrap, wrap that thing up about 11.45 midnight. What is it, 8.15 kickoff? I think, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Thursday night football on Prime Video. Don't forget that as well because I... Every time I go to watch Thursday Night Football, I'm on YouTube TV for about five minutes before I remember that it's on Prime Video still. <laughs> Where is this thing? Yeah. yeah. Should be a good game, though. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet in the booth. We love those guys. And uh, no Taylor Swift. Thank God. That's just about going to do it for this week's Game Preview Edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you to everybody hanging out with us in the live chat. I know we didn't pay too much attention to you tonight, but we had a lot of stats we had to get through. Willie Beam and the moderator holding it down. Frank G. Bandwagoner. J.C. Allen hanging out with us. My buddy Jay, Captain Jack Rackham, a Raiders super fan. So we got some uh, some enemy fans checking in, but we're glad to have you. Sal319, Ryan Flanagan, Richard T. from the West Coast. Uh, and anybody else that I may have missed, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. Some score predictions. 27-17 Bills, says J.C. Allen. Bucks 27-19, says San Antogato. 27-13, says Sal 3-1-9. And do we have one more? No, we don't. At least we got one Bucks prediction in there. We got one Bucks win prediction on the show, and that's enough go. for me to hold out hope that they can definitely get this thing done. Because I don't care if my pick is wrong every week. I really don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I would rather pick the Bucks to lose and be wrong about it every single week. You know, I, it is what it is at this point. But should be a fun game. Follow the show on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show, and of course, Bucks news as it happens. Speaking of Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know it's a short week, so maybe not too much before the game tomorrow, but what have you got for the rest of the week? 
Yeah, so obviously have the uh, had the reactions out. Uh, so if you do want to relive uh, the Bucks Falcons game, probably won't. But if you do want to relive that, you can check that out, Bucks Nation, right now. And then also tomorrow uh, we'll have the Q and A out with the Buffalo Bills SB Nation site. So keep an eye on that. And then uh, yeah, we're just keeping it rolling. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter slash X. At Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Once again, we'll talk to you live right here, youtube.com forward slash Fire podcast. Thursday night following the game, win, lose, or draw should be a good one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, uh, co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you again for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.